Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc or you can visit us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 9.15 and 11 a.m. Today we are, uh, we're wrapping up what's been a very fast uh, past few weeks together in this series that we're calling One. Uh, and if you're brand new to the series, what we have uncovered in this series is that all of us have many different ideas about what the church really is. Um, and for some of you, uh, your perspective of church, your mindset of church is labeled all the way back to your childhood and maybe some of the experiences that you had at that point in your life when you were a kid, uh, maybe as a part of a church with your grandparents or your parents. For some of you, your perspectives on church are shaped by um, some negative past experiences, maybe um, with a former church where you were disappointed or you were let let down and there were scars and and wounds that are very real in your life because of some past experiences. And then for others of you, man, your perspective maybe is shaped by a really healthy church experience where it was a very life-giving place and maybe there were people there or a group of people there that made a deep impact on your life and it's just kind of changed the way that you think about church and that you think about being of the family of God. Even in the middle of our Bible Belt, where everyone supposedly goes to church, we've got many, many different perspectives on what does it mean to be the church. So that's why we kind of jumped into this series over the last few weeks um, called One. So if you got a copy of Scripture, jump on in with us. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we have been the last two weeks, and it's going to be where we head one more time today. Ephesians chapter 4, if you don't have a copy of Scripture, we'll put it on the screen in just a little bit for you to uh, track along with us as we walk throughout this series. Um, if you missed any of this series. Uh, First, I want to catch you up just to speed. In Ephesians 4, we kind of learned that Paul's writing to a church at a place called Ephesus, and he spends a lot of time at the beginning of chapter 4 talking about the power of unity, the power of being one. And he says, hey, I realize you guys are all different makeup of people from all different places, but for you to fully function as the church of Jesus, you got to do so as one. And so in verses four through six, he's laid out seven different one statements um, about what does it mean to be one as the church? What do you come around as the church? And so over the last few weeks, we've unpacked five of those seven statements. And so I want to kind of just recap, um, if you've missed any of those, the different statements that we've made. Um, First, we said that we are one body. We said that the body of Christ, there's this word analogy drawn all throughout scripture that the body of Christ is the church. The church is the body of Christ. And there's one head over the church. We said a body with two heads doesn't work really well. So a body with one head and his name is Jesus. And as a result of that, we're all a part of the body and every part matters and every part belongs to all the others. So we said there's one body. And then the second thing we said in week one is that there's one spirit. There's one spirit, God's spirit, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left the earth, he says, I'm giving you a helper. And it is God's spirit that is the lifeblood and the heartbeat behind everything that we do. See, we, we don't generate life change, right? Good music, good preaching doesn't generate life change. It's God's spirit that changes hearts. So we have one spirit. And then we concluded week one by saying there's one hope. There's one lasting, eternal, unchanging, secure, immovable hope. In, in a world of hopelessness, there is one hope, and his name is Jesus. And that's why as long as we exist, he's going to be our headline. He's going to be our lead story because everything points back to him. And then if you missed last week, okay, last week real quick was, three more one statements. And the first statement we made last week is that there is one Lord. And we said Lord equals, anybody remember that? Lord equals, yeah, awesome. Owner. All right, here we go. 
Coffee? Anybody? Okay, we're good. Lord equals owner. I'm just kidding. I know. Lord equals owner. And we said, hey, there's one Lord, there's one owner of the church, and he is Jesus. But we said, don't make the mistake that because Jesus is the Lord and the owner of the church, that he's automatically the Lord of your life. See, we said, we, we asked the question, who's, who's really driving the car of your life? Is Jesus at the steering wheel? Is he the driver? Have you admitted, I'm not the best driver for my car? No, Jesus is. And you gotten in the back seat? Or are you still sitting in the front seat asking Jesus for directions every once in a while? You see, we said, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then that means that he is the owner and he dictates every part. Like he, you consult him for daily decisions, how you make every decision of the day. So one Lord, one faith. We said there's one faith, and at the core of our faith is the gospel, the, the good news of God's word. And we asked the question, are you rooted enough in God's word that you can contend for, that you can stand up for your faith? And we all had to kind of answer that question. And then we ended last week with saying there's one baptism, one baptism. Technically, scripture talks about two, but it all unites together in one. We said there's, a, there's one baptism of the spirit where we're united with Christ. We become one with him. And then that results in a water baptism demonstrating what Jesus has done in us. And we said the one mission of this family is to see children, students, and adults come to the place of acknowledging Jesus as their one Lord and then following him with one baptism. So that's the first five statements that we've unpacked. And today we're going to hit the last two in Ephesians chapter four, verse six. Verse six is where we're going to be today. Um, One God, this is what Paul writes, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So here's the first statement that Paul says is essential for the church to exist and thrive is that there must be one God, one God. Uh, and we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but the most important thing that I want us to understand about this idea of there being one God is that not everyone is living as a child of God. Is God the creator and the giver and the sustainer of life? Absolutely. But not everyone is obediently responding to God as the leader of their life. Paul uses the word all four different times in verse six that we just read. But what we got to realize is he is not talking about all of mankind responding to one God, but he is talking about all believers responding to God as the one God over their life. Those who are in Christ. Here's what John writes. John 1 verse 12. He says, yet to all who did receive him. To those who did believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. John says, to those who believed, those are the ones who have been born of God and live as children of God. Uh, If you were here last week, it's very much the same vein of the idea of there being one Lord over our life. And, And last week we said, hey, realize that just because Jesus is the Lord of the church does not automatically mean that he is the Lord of your life, right? Big difference in that him, he's Lord over the church. Hey, I'm sitting in church this morning, right? Doesn't that mean he's Lord of my life? No, it doesn't work that way. And it's in the same vein that just because we as the church direct our worship to one God and we stake our claim in, in that one God does not automatically mean that you're continually responding and living obediently to him being the one God over your life. Because there's a big difference in believing in and having a relationship with 
Big difference in believing in and having a relationship with. I believe that there is a real man named LeBron James, and he is really big, and he is really good at basketball, and I probably could not take him even on my best day. All right, I believe that is true, but I have no relationship with him. None. He is not sharing his ring with me. All right, none of that prize money that he got. None of that. Big difference in believing in and having a relationship with. It's the same thing in this relationship with God. You see, the tension is that we cannot fully claim to follow the one big G God when we are responding and serving many little G gods. The greatest wrestle of our lives, because we are sinful and fallen people, is to keep the one true God in the place of prominence in our life. It is a daily Wrestle. You see, a God could simply be defined as anything that we give worship, honor, and priority to. Anything that we give worship, honor, and priority to. And if we just got real, real honest in here, we have many little G gods in our life. Man, our stuff, our possessions, our career, our family, our status, our image, uh, our relationships, sometimes even our kids can become our God in our life where we give them more worship and more honor and more priority than we do to God. And Scripture more accurately calls those things idols. You see, it is impossible for us to respond and fully believe and serve one God when we are serving and spreading ourselves out among little G gods. There's only one true God. And here's what 1 John 3 verse 9 says. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. In other words, like when you're in Christ, you're not fully okay, all right, because there's still sin in your heart, but you don't stay there. You don't go on sinning. Verse 10 says, this is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Man, those are some really, really strong words from Scripture to say that children of God are not those playing some game of Christianity, but those are ones who have fully surrendered themselves to the Lordship over their life of Jesus and believe there is one God and I'm with him and I'm following him. You see, as I thought about this this week, I thought, and for those who really don't believe in and they're not, not, not fully living their lives surrendered to one God, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense the things that people who do believe and do surrender and follow that one God, the things that they do. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, let's think about worship, okay? Those people are probably asking, like, what, like who are you singing songs to? Why, why are you singing songs? Like, some of you, you close your eyes, you raise your hands. Why, why are you doing that, all right? Or think about praying, like, I mean, who are you even talking to? Like, uh, somebody responding back to you? Do you hear that? Who are you praying to? Or giving, okay? Why, why, I mean, why would you give your money away? Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Are you, are you not worried you're not going to have enough left for yourself? All right? Someone who's not fully surrendered and responding to God, all right, and living a life of following Him, it probably doesn't make sense the authenticity of believers. Like, why, why, why would you share your struggles with other people? How, how do you know you can really trust them? All right? Or, like, why do you live your life in response to God's word? Isn't that an old book? I mean, it's, it's just a history book, right? Why don't you just do what makes sense to you? 
to those who are not responding and believing in the one God, and there are those people in our world, it may not make sense to them why people who are following God would do the things that they do. But when they ask the question, we have the opportunity to respond. No, we do these things. It is a response because we have found that there is really only one true living God, and he is redeemer, and he has restored me, and he has claimed me, and he gives me life. Here's what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So first, as the church, and personally, we must acknowledge, believe, and serve one God. That there would be one God. We go back to our verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says there's one God, and then there's one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So here's the final of the seven one statements. Paul says this is essential for the church to exist and thrive, that there must be one Father. That there will be one Father. Now, before we dig very deep into this idea, I just want to go ahead and acknowledge up front that for many of you, perhaps even in this room today, that this is maybe one of the hardest one statements to really wrap your mind around. Because although we all have a father, many of us have not experienced an ideal father figure on this earth. See, for some of you, maybe you have lived life for many years without your father being in the picture and he is not here anymore and you miss his presence in your life. For some of you, uh, man, your dad was there, all right, when you were growing up. He was home, but he was not really there because he was constantly working or involved in so many other things that left a void in your life. And for some of you, maybe your dad was not a workaholic, but maybe he was an alcoholic or he had other addictions and it heavily dictated the way that he treated you and your family. Or for some of you, you juggled multiple father figures because of a divorce or a split family situation. And it is certainly not the hand that you thought that life would deal you, but it's what life gave you and it's what you had to deal with. And for many of us, we would never put the word perfect and the word father in the same sentence. And it carries very negative connotation for us. But what I want us to understand is that here in verse 6, the Greek word that is used is pateer, used speaking about our heavenly father, our heavenly father who breathes life into us as creator and who gives us the hope of eternal life as savior and sustainer. And so for a minute today, man, I just want you to try to let down those walls of just those negative emotions about that concept of father. And I want you to realize that for those of us who are in Christ, we have a perfect father. He is a perfect father. Here's what Isaiah 64 verse 8 says. Yet you, Lord, are our father, and we are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are all the work of your hand. See, God is the only perfect father. And Paul says that God is over all, that he is through all, and he is in all. He is overall, meaning he has full control. God is the supreme authority figure. He answers to no one and nothing. He does things as he wills and as he desires. Here's what Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 says. 
He exerted uh, this when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And he became far above all rule and all authority, all power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. God sits in supreme authority. And while we have father figures who have very little control over what happens next in our life, Today, we, we worshiped and we serve and we respond to a God who brought up the sun this morning, who brought out the stars by name last night, who holds back the tide of the waters, who breathes out the wind, and he sits in full control. And he can be trusted fully. Paul says he's over all, I meaning he has full control. But he says God is also through all, meaning that he is fully active. God is fully active. The original word here um, for the word through indicates that the sovereign, omnipotent God is able to use everything to accomplish his intended purposes. In Ephesians chapter 1, Scripture says that God works everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In other words, God is working and moving according to his plan and his purposes, which as his children, for those who have fully trusted in him, we can understand that our life matters. And if he is fully active, that means that whatever situation and whatever circumstance you walk in as a child of God, his purposes are being accomplished. And maybe it doesn't make sense to you, and maybe you can't see two feet in front of you right now, but guess what? He's active, he's working, and he goes before you, and he is in control. And your role is not to figure out how to make it all happen, but your role is to grow so attentive to him that you go, God, I see what you're doing, and I see how you're growing me and I see how you're molding me and man I don't really like this part daddy but like I'm going to trust you because you're overall and you're through all he's fully in control he is fully active but then God the father is not only overall and through all but Paul says he's in all meaning that he fully cares he fully cares Psalm 103 verse 13 as the father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And in a world full of father figures who seem to care very little or care not at all, Scripture says God is a good daddy. And he fully cares. The word in, um, in the original language, is the word en meaning an intimate and special union and inhabitation. In other words, our daddy is fully locked in to the needs and the cares and the concerns and the lives of his children. He doesn't miss a beat. God the Father is overall. He is in full control. He is through all. He is fully active. And he is in all. He fully cares. So as we conclude all of that to realize that, hey, those of us who are in Christ, who have exchanged the old life for new life to surrender ourselves to one God, we have one Father. He's over all. And so if we have one Father, then that means that we, as a household of believers, are one family. That we're one family. Here's what Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says. Consequently, 
because of what Jesus has done, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Of his household. I mean, Scripture says that the church is one family united together. And for some of you, you've never thought of church that way, ever. And the reality is for you, just like the father figure thing, the family thing's really, really, really hard to wrap your mind around because you got some disjointed, jacked up family. And you're like, man, I don't even want to think about family. Well, guess what? As a spiritual family, those who are in Christ, we have a perfect father. And we make up one family. And I realize your idea of family may be totally distorted by what you're in right now or what you experienced growing up. But what I want us to hear and what I want to walk through over the next couple of minutes is just, man, if we are one family with one God and one Father, what does it mean to be a united, healthy, efficient, and effective family? What does that look like? Okay, so here's some things I think that is important. A united family, I believe, is committed to walk with one another through trials. A united family will walk with one another through trials. Some of the most incredible stories out of this family right here called The Exchange is when I've literally walked people, watched people or life groups walk with one another through some of the lowest and the most difficult places of life. I watch people walk with one another through the loss of a loved one, through the loss of a job, through the end of a marriage, through a financial fallout, through family turmoil. See, a united family walks with one another, no matter what it takes. Uh, I think a healthy and united family holds each other accountable and speaks hard truth to one another. A united family holds each other accountable, speaks hard truth to one another. I'm convinced one of the problems of our families today, of the kids of this generation, is the lack of family members being willing to look into the lives of other family members and speak hard truth. It's a void. We don't know how to do it. We run from it. But guess what? As this family, we have to hold each other accountable. And sometimes we have to speak hard truth. And every week when we gather in this room around this one book and there's a communicator here, we don't just look at some of the truth, but we look at all of the truth, the easy stuff and the not so easy stuff. And here's the deal. I mean, if you're not connected to people in your life who can hold you accountable and can, who can speak hard truth into your life, you're not doing family right. A united family holds each other accountable and is willing to speak hard truth into each other's lives. Uh, a united family celebrates with one another. It's one of our values here that we exchange forgetting for celebrating. We never want to miss the good things that God's doing. And as a staff team, man, we love it. We love it when you share with us things that God's doing in your life, ways that he's providing, things that he's teaching you, and we literally celebrate that with you. We praise God for that. United Family celebrates together. A uh, United Family encourages one another and helps meet each other's needs. They encourage one another and they help meet each other's needs. Go back to the Acts 2 church. Here's what we know. There are seasons of life that every one of us will experience that are heavy and hard. And that's why we say you cannot do life alone. You weren't designed to do life alone. And so we've got nearly a dozen life groups that are smaller groups outside of this context for men, for women, for couples, for young adults. And, and men, they meet together. And what do they do? They encourage one another and they help meet each other's needs. 
I've heard of groups uh, mowing each other's yards, replacing a lady's air conditioner, help a lady find an apartment and move in, go to other families' kids' ball games, show up at hospitals for surgeries, provide meals in times of need, collect gift cards to help people through seasons of struggle, and develop friendships that will literally last a lifetime. That's just the tip of the iceberg of how this family has sought to encourage one another and to meet each other's needs. See, that's what a united family does. A united, healthy family, I believe, is willing to accept each other's differences and love them through it. Just look around the room for a second. We're a bunch of different looking people. That's what I know. There are literally Mississippi State Bulldogs and Ole Miss Rebels sitting on the same road peacefully right now in this place. I lie to you not. Guess what? We are a family made up of many different people from many different places. All ages, all occupations, all backgrounds, all education levels, all socioeconomic groups. You name it, we're all together. And guess what? We love it. We love it. And if you've ever walked into a household of believers, a church, and not been welcomed, I apologize to you publicly on behalf of the church as a whole. And my prayer is that that would never happen in this place. Because from the very beginning, we said, men, that we would be a people that look really, really, really different on the surface. But yet we are really, really common in the fact that we have been saved and loved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus. And that makes us one family. That makes us one family. Romans 15, verse 5, Paul says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 7, accept one another. Then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Healthy family accepts one another and, and loves each other through our differences. A healthy united family gathers consistently. Scripture says, do not forsake meeting together. So week after week, down 15, 11 o'clock, every week, we gather right here. Um, Every week, every other week, we got groups that gather in homes and restaurants across our area. And guess what? Your consistency in the attendance for our gatherings, both large and small, matters a lot. Why? Because we're trying to pad our numbers or because being in this place makes you more of a Christian than not being here? No. Now, we hope that you grow. We hope that you gain life and give life into this place and from being here. But the reality is that God has wired you. There's no one else in our family that's just like you. There's no one that has your story, your personality, and your gifts. And when you're not a consistent part of the family gatherings, you leave a void at the family table. And I believe a united family is willing to gather together consistently because all the parts matter and we belong to each other. I think another thing United Family uh, does is they share a common mission. They share a common mission. Uh, If you were here last week, we said that as the exchange, we have one mission. And that's to see children, students, adults, grandmas, grandpas come to the saving knowledge to admit Jesus Christ as their one Lord and then to follow him through baptism and then live out their purpose. And here's the deal from last week. If you missed it, that's not like the mission of the pastor. That's not the staff's mission or the life group leaders. Like they huddle and they talk about the mission. That's a family mission. And if you're in Christ, 
then you share in that common mission because we're a united, healthy, effective family. But I think one of the greatest ways that a family remains unified is when they make a conscious choice to bless one another through serving. And they make a conscious choice to bless one another through serving. Here's what um, God's Word says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. See, around here we say that you weren't just designed to get life, but that you were designed to give life to other people. And when we think of serving in our culture, one of the main things that we think about is we think about a server at a restaurant, like a waiter or a waitress who comes and serves us food or beverages. That's what we think about with serving. So I brought with me today um, some plates that are going to represent some of the roles and the responsibilities within our family because we're one big family. And so I want to kind of show you guys uh, how I think this works. So I'm going to just grab somebody real quick. Uh, totally don't know. Larry Holder, come up and see me, man. He has no idea what's about to happen. So um, you guys give it up for Larry. Thank you, Larry, for coming in and just serving me real quick. And so... You have no idea this is going to happen, right? Okay, yeah, he's quite nervous, you can yeah. see. Um, okay, so how I want to kind of demonstrate this, Larry, I've just got the plates here, and these plates represent some of the roles and the responsibilities within our family. I'm sure at your house, you wash dishes, you cut the grass, Absolutely. or maybe your wife would tell me otherwise. And so, like, every family has responsibilities, and so these are some of the roles and the responsibilities within our family. And so I just want to kind of hand some of these to you. Okay, I want you to ma- imagine that these are a full plate, so you can't stack them on top of each other like I am. All right, and so the First thing is uh, band. Man, we love to worship and sing. And so have you ever played guitar in your life? Awesome. But you could do that, I think. And so if you'll just hold that right there. Um, and man, you guys, uh, babies, are you awesome with babies? You like diapers? You can do diapers? No? Okay. But, but we've got stinky diapers. And so if you'll hold that, so that one kind of represents little life. And you, you guys think Larry's pretty big and rough. I mean, I, I know I wouldn't mess with him. So security, if you just kind of hold on to that one, we can slide it right there. That's good. And man, hey, Larry, one of the responsibilities and the roles within our family that makes our house happen is generosity. Man, it, it takes generous people to be a part of what God's doing here and help the family. And so I'm going to yeah, okay, we can stick that one right there. Got it? Okay. Yeah. Don't spill the band one, okay? And then, uh, man, you're, I know you, man, you're involved in this one. Like, student life, man, you love some 6th through 12th graders, don't you? You can get in there and make some bodily function uh, noise jokes, and those are awesome to junior high boys, and they really connect with that. So, uh, you got, okay, you can do one more. Got, got it right? You sure you got that one? Okay. The security one's tipping over just a little bit, okay? And then every once in a while, man, I'm just calling this a need. Like, man, we have needs that pop up. Maybe um, people that need someone to come help them or serve them in some way. And so if you could do maybe one more right there, that'd be awesome. Okay, and you, hey, you're, you're a builder guy, aren't you? Construction team, you could, you could do that, right? You could, you could do that. Here, let's just, maybe we could do it right there. Okay, that'd be awesome. And a council. Man, hey, we're a family. And sometimes when there's a family, there's needs. And, and we, can't, we can't handle everything. And so we have to counsel one another. It's kind of part of listening and accepting. The construction one's getting a little, little short-handed there. And so, yeah, let's, uh, let's see if we could, yeah, you could. Are you going to be good at counseling? Because we're going to put that at the head up here. All right, awesome. Okay. All right, let's see. This is not working. This is clearly not, not, not working. Okay, I got an idea. Hold on, I got an idea. All right, uh, he's got a really good bride. So, Miss Doty, will you come up here? You had no idea this was going to happen either, but that's awesome. And so if you'll just come and help out. Um, and so here's what we're going to do. If you'll come stand right here while he 
really gracefully handles all that. I tell you what, he is, he is not handling the counseling thing. He cannot do that. And so I want you to help out with that if you've got that one. And then we have other needs that come up, so we're just going to call this one need number two. And then there's peacemakers. Man, in every family, there's conflict and turmoil, and so people have to carry the gift of peacemaking, and he probably needs that a lot. So you're you going you to have to take peacemaker and put it, you know, well, he's got no more hands. He can't do that. So you'll, you, we'll let you handle that one. And then life care. Man, part of our, our, our roles and responsibilities here are to visit people and to help people and to provide for people meals. And so if you'll handle that one right there. Um, and then you guys could lead a life group too, couldn't you? I mean, you're not doing anything else. And so why don't y'all handle that? Um, and then generosity, man, it takes a lot of generosity. And then cleaning team and our building gets really dirty. Have you seen what student life does to our building? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Okay. What? Yeah. Okay. All right. This is, this is clearly not working. All right. You guys are not sufficient enough clearly on your own. I know you're great people. No, I don't know offense, but let's, let's do this. All right. Let me, uh, let me get some help. Uh, Jonathan, man, come see me real quick right up here, buddy. All right. Come, come stand up here. Uh, if you'll come see me. Mr. Fu, man, will you come help me out? All right, Jonathan, if you'll stand right here. Man, here, here's what I know uh, about this guy. Man, this guy is willing to help people however possible. And so if you'll hold on to the need right there, Jonathan. And Fu, come on up here, man. Come stand next to Jonathan. Um, and so Dodie said she's not really the peacemaker. But Jonathan, I think you could, you could make peace. So can you just hold on to that one? That'd be awesome. And uh, yeah, you're struggling over here, bro. All right, and so uh, you never played guitar. Fu, I don't know if you play guitar, but we can train you. Josh is really good. All right, and clean team. Man, I know you serve on our cleaning team. You can run a vacuum cleaner. That'd be awesome. And let's see um, who else. Hey, Chuck and Nikki, could you guys come up here real quick? All right, man, you, you're doing better, okay? You're, you're doing better. You haven't spilled anything in the last couple of seconds, so we're doing really good. Could you guys come stand right here? Y'all just kind of squinch all together real quick. Stand next to Larry and Dodie like your family. That'd be great. Uh, Nikki, man, you are an encourager. I know that. I know that. Um, and Chuck, we can train you on the computer. I know you're scared of computers, but you can do tech. And um, let's see, life care. Yeah, Dodie's doing good. Now you got two hands so you can side generosity right there and it man if you'll hold on to that i know you are super caring for people and uh chuck you look scarier than um than larry does so i'm gonna give you security okay and let's see we need a little more help uh joanna Dwayne, could you guys come up here real quick we need y'all real quick um how we doing larry you're doing good man you, you only got five yeah. so if you could tote your load in the family that'd be awesome man um let's see who else we got larry uh man we need some more folks austin and carrie would you guys come up here we need a little more help um the holders are, are doing better. Man, you're a construction guy. I know you could handle some construction. Man, there's not more generous people than, than the Hughes. And so, good. Let's see. Yeah, I'm going to take the diapers from you because you're not doing great with that. Man, you guys, man, y'all are awesome. Yo, new young married couple right here. Um, you guys are good with kids. I've seen that. All right, and, and counsel. Man, you guys can counsel people. And, and you're doing great with guest services. And you're really friendly and you smile. You even got the lanyard on right now. That's really awesome. We didn't plan that. And, uh, man, you're, you're a man of compassion. This is a grandfather right here. We still got one issue right there, though, don't we? We need to figure that out. Anybody got a third finger? Man, because somebody could lead a life group. You guys could lead a life group. You see what happened? What kind of unified, healthy family would we be if we'd have left it all for Larry and Doty? See, part of the beauty of being a unified, one family in Christ is we realize the power that we is much greater than me. You see, we said it in week one that all the parts matter and all belong to each other. See, here's the bottom line. You need the family and the family needs you. Give it up for these guys. You guys can grab a seat. Thank you all so much. They had no idea what was coming for them. 
especially Larry with the dirty diapers. And you may say, well, why do you show that to us today? Introduce us to 10 new people in our family. Yeah, hopefully you got to know some new people and that Larry can't do dirty diapers. You show that to us to try to guilt us into serving and taking our role within the family. Is that what you're doing? No. Does it take a ton of people to make this house function every week? Absolutely. But my role is never to guilt you into anything. Because here's what we've learned. Guilty obedience doesn't last very long. But here's why I showed you that today. And here's why I've described to you what does it mean to be a unified, healthy, one family in Christ. Because every time that we worship together, every time that we grow together, and every time that we serve together, we literally demonstrate the character of Christ and the gospel to the world. Here's what God's Word says, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, when we give life to one another and to the world, we demonstrate that we have been changed. Not by just memorizing Bible verses and praying before our meals and tithing some of our income and listening to Christian radio stations. But we demonstrate that we have been changed because we show an increased, consistent willingness to serve and to give life to one another And ultimately, we're just a whole family of fellow sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God but are in need of the grace of God. You see, the reality is we cannot fully demonstrate love, celebration, and acceptance, and forgiveness, and servanthood all by ourselves. We can't. It's the character of Christ but it requires the family to make it happen. In other words, you need the family, and the family needs you. You see, it's in the middle of a group of sinners who have committed to loving one another that the gospel is displayed to the world. And as the church, we have have an opportunity that no other organization in all of history has, and that is to display the love and the grace of Jesus. Every time that we love one another, just as Christ loved us. Every time that we forgive one another, just as Christ forgave us. And every time that we choose to selflessly and sacrificially give life by serving one another as one family, just as Jesus served us. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.